Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. You know, life can be such a grind at times, and so we're here sharing God's Word with you to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. It's time to grind. So here's the host of the Grind It Podcast, the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. Today, I'm excited because this is the fifth part of Luke chapter 17, and it is the final part of Luke chapter 17. I told you it was deep, 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 and deep it is, and heavy it is, as we've talked about uh, Jesus saying that temptation is going to be here all the time. Satan is going to try to knock us off our game and knock our focus off of God where it should be and get our attention uh, on other things so that he can uh, do his thing and and try to get us to fall away from God and and to draw away from God instead of focusing on God and and leading people to God. And Jesus says those temptations are always going to be there. And he tells his disciples, he says, watch out. And he says, you don't want to be the one who causes people to sin. He said it's better if we tied a big old heavy stone called a millstone around our neck and been thrown into the sea and drowned than to call somebody to fall into sin. And, and we talked about the serious of sin, the, the seriousness of sin and what sin is. And, and and we have discussed what Jesus has told his disciples about watching out and, and, and what that means. And we've also talked about how people, we're not Jesus. We're not perfect. We're not sinless. We are sinners. It's what we do. That's what makes the blood of Jesus so precious and so valuable because it washes away our sins. He has paid our sin debt to God. He knows that we fall short and we can't do it on our own. We have to have the blood of Jesus Christ to wash our sins away. And and and, and so he he knows, he, he says, uh, the, the temptation is going to come and, and, and people are going to choose to fall into those temptations and people will sin. And when people do sin against us, he says, he tells his disciples, he says, you're to forgive. Not It doesn't matter what they've done. It doesn't matter if they do it seven times a day. As long as they ask for forgiveness, you have to forgive. And, and, and so we've talked about all of that, some heavy, heavy, heavy stuff. And we talked about what forgiveness is and, and, and what forgiveness does and how it's not for the other person but it's for us because the other person don't care how we feel to be quite honest and they don't care how uh, how much pain we're in and how deep we're hurt they just don't care and so forgiveness is about releasing that person releasing that that anger releasing that hurt that pain not saying we won't ever remember it again or feel that hurt or that pain because we will but it's releasing that person just as god has released the the uh punishment of sin on our behalf because of what Jesus has done. That's what forgiveness is. It's not like God doesn't know what we've done. He knows every sin that we've ever, ever committed, and, and he already knows the sins we're gonna commit. So it's not like he he just forgets all about it. No, he just he he withholds punishment because of the blood of Jesus. And and we talked about how forgiveness is saying, I'm giving this person this situation all to you, God, and I'm going to let you deal with it because you said vengeance is mine and that you will take care of it. Not that we want to get revenge on that person, but we want God to have grace and mercy and compassion and be long-suffering, and we want that person to be forgiven, and we want that person to go to heaven. And when we forgive that person, then we're able to be like Jesus and show the heart of God to to, to that uh, person and to actually minister to that person because that's exactly 
what Jesus would do. And so it has brought us all through uh, Luke 17 to this point when a Pharisee is going to ask Jesus about the end times. And so let's jump into this very, very deep, deep subject. It says, as Jesus continued toward Jerusalem, he's going to Jerusalem to die, by the way, to die on the cross. And so as he continued toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria, and he entered a village there, and ten men with leprosy stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and he said, Go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went up, they were cleansed of their leprosy. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he came back to Jesus shouting, Praise God! And he fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. It's it's interesting that Luke points this out. The details of Luke right here. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, did I heal ten men? Didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except for this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. So Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem to fulfill his mission, right? To die on the cross for the sins of mankind. And as he enters this village, there's these lepers. It's ten of them. And they're hollering, hey, help us out. We know you're the son of God. We know you're, you're, you're the Messiah. You're the master. We know that you're a healer. We've heard all about you. We know, we know who you are. Please heal us. Please give us hope. You know, because they knew that Jesus was the only hope they had of being healed of this disease called leprosy. And so they cry out to Jesus, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. And Jesus doesn't carry on the conversation. He doesn't have a three-week-long Bible study or a two-hour-long Bible study. No, he just simply says this. He says, go and show yourselves to the priest. No, no deep conversation. No, why do you want to be healed? No, none of that. He just says, go and show yourselves to the priest. He didn't say, okay, I'll heal you. You're healed. Now go show yourselves to the priest. No, he says, go and show yourselves to the priest. And this is something that a leper would have to do after they were cured of leprosy. And you can read all about the laws concerning leprosy in Leviticus 13 and 14. But a leper would have to go before the priest, and the priest would check out the leper. And if he was cleansed of his leprosy, if he was healed, he could go back. He would be pronounced clean again, and he could go back into society. And and so... Jesus said in verse 14, he looks at me and he says, Go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. They did not, these ten lepers, they did not receive their healing. They did not receive their blessing until they put their faith into action. They could have stood around and asked Jesus, but but we still have leprosy, so why do we need to go see the priest? This, this, don't, this don't make no sense according to God's laws. Aren't you going to heal us, Jesus? Don't you care that we suffer? And it reminds me of the story of Naaman, and you can go back and read that in 2 Kings chapter 5 about how he wanted Elisha, the, the prophet of God, to come out and touch him. Then he gets mad because Elisha doesn't even come out and even talk to him. He just sends a servant and, and tells uh, Naaman what to do and how he should go dip in seven times in the Jordan River. Naaman gets mad at that. He, he, he's a, a, a leader in the Syrian army, by the way. And, and uh, he's not even a follower of God. He's a pagan. And he's, he's, uh, he's mad now because Elisha doesn't come out and greet himself because he, you know, after all, he's got all these 
uh, uh, ribbons and, and stars and all these things that he's done as a great commander in the Assyrian army, and he's full of pride. And so he's mad because Elisha doesn't come out and greet him. Now he's he's mad because Elisha sent this servant. And now he's mad because Elisha tells him to go dip in the nasty Jordan River when he can go dip in these other rivers that that are a whole lot cleaner than the Jordan River. And so the the, uh, the servant that came along with Naaman talks some sense into him and says, "Just do what the man said, and and, and you'll be healed." And so he he does, and he 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 dips seven times in the Jordan River. And he is healed. And I, I can't help but wonder if these ten le- lepers were like Naaman. They had doubtful thoughts going on in their head before they took their first steps to go to the priest. And, and, and you know, we do the same exact thing that we all do. We, we say that we have faith, you know, like Jesus just told his disciples, Lord, increase our faith. They already had faith, but they said increase our faith. And we say that we have faith, but yet many times, just like the disciples, we, we doubt. We doubt Jesus. We doubt God. We, we hold back. And what I mean by that is, you know, God has given each and every one of us talents. And Paul talks about this in the letter to the Corinthian church, how we all have our place in his kingdom. And, and we all have talents that he's blessed us with that we can use to, to glorify God and to grow his kingdom. And yet so many times we don't use our talents. We don't use the gifts that God has given us. We just sit on them. And knowing that all that we have to, to, to do is to be obedient. But yet we, we doubt and we, we hold back. And, and that's what the lepers, I, I just wonder in their mind if that's what they were doing. But, but they, Jesus says, just go show yourselves to the priest. And so this message that Jesus told the ten lepers is the same message that he tells us today. Go. Go. Two little letters. G-O. And it simply means get out. Get out. Because we were never meant to stay inside of a church building, first of all. But we're, we're never, we, the church was never a place that was supposed to be in a building where we just worship God and we wait for people to come in from the community and worship with us. It, it, it was never like that. The church started out, they were uh, meeting at the temple outside and, and, and they, they were preaching outside and people gathered outside and people, they were seeking out. That's why a lot of people call uh, church who uh, people who come to church who don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, we call them seekers. But we should be seeking the lost, not the lost coming to a church and seeking for Jesus. That's backwards. That's not. We're we're told to go, 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 go. Not sit and wait for them to come. We are to go out and tell people about Jesus, giving them the opportunity to accept Him as Lord and Savior. The churches in America have this all wrong. We've just uh, we've Americanized the church, and, and it's it's not right. Our motto is is all screwed up. But these ten lepers, they had nothing to lose. Jesus said, "Go, go, show yourselves to the priests." And and all ten lepers took off to see the priests, and and they were obedient. And, and since they were obedient, right, they they were healed as they were walking to see the priest. Now. Um, I'm going to ask you a question that, that come to my mind when I was uh, writing these notes. Why do we argue with the Word of God? Why, why do we argue with God? When the Bible says to do something, why don't we just simply do it? Why do we have to say things like, well, it really doesn't mean that, or 
it's not necessary to do that. Um, I, I, and there are some things that, that can be discussed, but I, I heard a if, if it's plain, if Jesus said, if it's red letter, don't argue with it. Just do what he says. And I, I heard a preacher say one time, and it's always stuck with me, just do what they did and get what they got. If Jesus tells us to pray, and he does, then why don't we pray? A lot. More often than we do. If Jesus tells us to give, then, then why don't we give? He was a giver. We're to be, show the heart of Jesus. If he was a giver and he met people's needs, then why don't we give and meet people's needs? I'm not just talking about money. I'm just talking about of our resources, of the blessings that God has given us. Why don't we share those with others who are in need instead of hoarding it up to our, for ourselves and being greedy and selfish? If the Bible tells us to gather with the saints, then why don't we gather with the saints? Why do we make excuses to stay home or go do something else? If the Bible tells us to spread the message of the gospel, then why do we not tell people about the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus? When I was in Bible college back in 2002, this has been over 20 years ago, so I don't know what the percentage is today, but they gave us a, a percentage of, of people that have uh, converted somebody to Jesus, and, and that's 3%. So if you're sitting in the church building of 100 people, 3% of that 100 have converted somebody to Jesus Christ. That's terrible. That's awful because that is our mission. That is what we're to do. We are to tell people about Jesus Christ and give them the opportunity to be saved. That is our purpose as a follower of Christ. Not to be greedy with Jesus, but to share Jesus. If Jesus said we're to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbor, then why do we not love like we're commanded to straight from the mouth of Jesus? If Jesus said that we're to forgive, then why do we hold grudges and not speak to somebody that sits in a pew next to us for years and years? If Jesus says go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, then why do we argue with Jesus and say baptism is not a priority? And I can go on and on and on with, with more examples. But the lepers, they didn't question Jesus. They just put their faith into action. Somebody somewhere down the road had told them who Jesus is and who he was. And here he is happening to come through their village. I'm sure there's a crowd gathered around so they realize that it's Jesus and since they've heard about Jesus and they know the miracles that he has done for other people, they know that he is their hope. And so they cry out to Jesus and they ask to be healed. And Jesus says, go show yourselves to the priest. And they start walking. And as they are walking, they are healed. Now, the sad part about this passage is that only one out of the ten stopped when he realized the leprosy was gone, that he had been healed, and he turns and he goes back to Jesus to say thank you, and he bows at the feet of Jesus and worships and thanks Jesus laying at his feet. And Jesus says, didn't I heal ten? Where's the other nine? Well, they kept going, Jesus, but I came back to say thank you. We all have problems in this life. We all face life challenges on a daily basis. We all Cry out to God in prayer, just like these lepers cried out to Jesus asking to be healed. 
But can I say this? Please, 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 when your blessing comes, whatever situation you're in and your deliverance comes, your healing comes, your blessing comes, when your prayer is answered, please do not forget the one who blessed you, who healed you, who delivered you. Praise his holy name and glorify Jesus Christ so that other people will know that it was him who had delivered you, who healed you, who blessed you, and that they too would hunger and thirst for his righteousness. Don't forget Jesus like those other nine lepers did. They got their healing, they got their cleansing, but they didn't come back and say thank you. And I don't know if they ever met Jesus again. And matter of fact, they could have been, because Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem to die, they could have been part of the crowd that was yelling, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Because we're going to see that, that the one that did come back was a Samaritan. Jesus, Luke points that out, that this one that came back was a Samaritan, which tells me that the other nine were Jews, that they were Jews. And they thought they were it with God because they were uh, of Abraham's seed. And they just wanted a healing. And they got their healing. And they didn't come back and say, thank you. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 15-18, Paul writes this, See that no one pays back evil for evil, but always try to do good to each other and to all people. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. And be thankful in all circumstances even when the healing comes and time has passed never stop thanking jesus for your blessings never stop give thanks for all that he has done and what he has brought you out of on a daily basis hebrews 12 28 29 says since we are receiving we are receiving we are continually receiving because we're, we're we're following jesus on a daily basis and, and, and since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe. For our God is a devouring fire. In Psalm 107.21, and there's so many verses. I'm just sharing a few here. But let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. In Colossians 3.16, Paul says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Don't forget Jesus when you're on the mountaintop. It's easy to run to Jesus when you're in the valley, when things are going haywire and chaotic in your life and, you, and, and you're down and you're, and you're hurting and you, and you cry out to God and all this pain and agony. But when you're not in pain and agony and you're on the mountaintop and, and life is good and things are going great, don't forget Jesus. Always be thankful and don't take his blessings for granted. And so Luke's going to end chapter 17 with this Pharisee asking about the end of times. And all I'm going to do is be very basic and vague with this passage and I'll make a few light comments on it because I'm just going to tell you, I'm no expert on the end times. I don't study the end times. The way I look at the end times is, is, is this. Jesus is coming back. 
we can't stop it. It's going to happen. I've been hearing it's going to happen since I was a very small child. There was books written when I was a teenager uh, in 1988, 88 Reasons Why Christ is Coming Back in 1988. And if you read it, it made sense. But guess what? It's 2022. Jesus still hadn't come back. That was a long time ago. I was 16 years old, I think, and I'm 49. So it's what, 33 years? And we're still waiting for the return of Christ. Some of you are 70, 80 years old, and, and you're still waiting for Jesus to come back. And you've been a Christian your whole life, and you've been hearing this. So yeah, people, there's people who have made a living off of taking Old Testament scriptures and Old Testament prophecies and taking the book of Revelation and twisting scripture and trying to take writings that were given thousands of years ago and, 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 and trying to make sense out of it today, and they don't a bit more know what they're talking about. I promise you, they don't know what they're talking about. Because, And I'm just going to tell you, there, there are still false prophets today, and that's what these people are. If they predict something, they can predict one thing, and if it's false, if it does not happen, and, and, and every one of them is this way, they are a false prophet. That's exactly what a false prophet is. Every prophet in the Bible, every single prophet in the Old Testament and the New Testament, when they made a prophecy, every one of them came true. Every one of them was a true prophet of God. We don't need prophets today. We have the Word of God. We have everything that we need. We have Jesus. Jesus has come and gone. He's sitting at the Father's right hand. We have the Holy Spirit. We have everything. Thing that we need. So be careful to who you're listening to and what they're saying. And 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 and, and I'm I'm just saying, be careful. Be careful. It's interesting to talk about the end of times, but look, Jesus makes it plain and clear that no man knows the hour, no man knows the day. Yes, we can look at the times and we can say, you know, the time is near. But they've been saying that. When you read the letters of these authors in the New Testament, like John, for instance. He's already talking about Antichrists are already here when John's penning his letter, the first, second, and third John. He says Antichrists are already here. And we got people today who are looking for the Antichrist. Antichrist, Antichrist against Christ. There are people against Christ when he was walking on the earth. The name Satan means opposition. There were people in opposition to Jesus. Even Peter, Jesus called Peter Satan. Get behind me, Satan. When Jesus said, I got to go to the cross. And Peter said, no, I'm not letting you go to the cross. And he said, no, this is God's will. Get behind me, Satan. I'm going to the cross. And so just be careful. I mean, Revel the book of Revelation is apocryphal literature. It's written to persecuted Christians, people who are dying for their faith. When, uh, when Rome was, uh, was being destroyed and the temple was being destroyed in the 70s, back when Nero was on the throne and all these ruthless... I mean, he was taking Christians and lighting them on fire to light up his gardens. He would pour oil on them and light them while they're still alive to light up his gardens. He would bury them while they're still alive and leave the part of their bodies hanging out of the ground and he would drive their chariots around them. playing against. These people were ruthless. And, and, and that's the kind of persecution that Christians were, were, were facing back then. They're being beheaded. They're being beaten. All kinds of just horrible stuff. And so this book of Revelation 
was written to these persecuted Christians. And in Revelation 2 verse 10, Jesus tells them, If you will stay faithful unto death, you will receive a crown of life. Because they were literally facing death for following Jesus. They were being tortured for following Jesus. And people were wanting to give up. And, and, and Jesus is, is saying, hey, stay the course. Stay faithful. You will be blessed if you do. You will be with me in heaven someday. And so the, the, the book of Revelation, and by the way, it's not revelations, plural. It's revelation, singular. It's one revelation. In Revelation 1, 1 through 3, it says, This is a revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show his servants the events that must soon take place. The revelation of Jesus Christ. That's what the book of Revelation is about. It's all about Jesus. Jesus being revealed. And when we read through the book of Revelation, there's a lot of, of uh, symbolism going on. And, 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 and people today who try to take Revelation and, and apply to this, they don't know what they're talking about. And you have to be careful because if you add to the book of Revelation, then it, it's dangerous. It's very dangerous. And you can read the book of Revelation and find all that out. And I, and I don't want to go on with that anymore. But I, I want to get back into Luke 17. But I'm just telling you, I, I don't care how long people have been studying the Bible. They don't know what they're talking about because they wasn't there when the prophets were alive. They wasn't there when Jesus was alive. And, and they're trying to take writings that are in symbolic and, and, and trying to apply it to things that's going on today. And, and, and maybe they're right in some instances. But I'm telling you, if they give a prophecy and, and they're wrong, just one, they are a false prophet. And, and if you want to discuss that with me and argue, I won't argue with you, but if you want to discuss it with me, you can email me at thegrinditpodcast at gmail.com. I'd be glad to discuss that with you. So nobody knows the hour or the day when Jesus is coming back. We know he's coming back. He said he's coming back. And we're going to see that here in just a second. And he's told the disciples this is going to happen. And, and he's going to come back. And in, in the book of Matthew, he's talking, in the, the gospel of Matthew, he's talking about separating the sheep and the goats and, and, and all that stuff when he comes back. The judgment is what we call the judgment. And, uh, and so the, the, those who have given their life to Christ, been washed in the blood of Jesus, they go to heaven. Those who re rejected Jesus, they're, they're the goats. They, they go to hell they're for eternity. Um, and, and I'll talk more about that in just a second. But I want to read what Jesus says when this Pharisee asks him this question in Luke 17. He says, One day the Pharisee asked Jesus, When will the kingdom of God come? And Jesus replied, The kingdom of God can't be detected by visible signs. Now listen, that, that's what Jesus said. I didn't say that. Jesus said. Jesus himself just said that the kingdom of God cannot be detected by visible signs. We may be able to see some of the signs that you know is mentioned in the Gospels, other Gospels, but Jesus says nobody knows the hour or the day when he will return except the Father himself. Verse 21. You won't be able to say, here it is, the kingdom's over here, or the kingdom's over there, for the kingdom of God is already among you. And he's telling this Pharisee, look, dude, I've been walking around for almost three years now. Y'all have rejected me 
the kingdom of God is here. I've been sending out my disciples into all these villages to tell them the kingdom of God is here. John the Baptist was telling y'all the kingdom of God is here. Behold the Lamb of God. The Messiah is among you. God's Son is here. The kingdom is among you. Talking about himself. And then when he leaves after the resurrection and 40 days later, he ascends back to the Father and sits at the Father's right hand and the Holy Spirit comes down and fills the, the disciples and, and they go out and the church begins in Acts chapter 2, which is the kingdom of God. The kingdom, people are still looking for the kingdom to come and that's why they're going to be deceived. The kingdom has already come. The kingdom is here, man. Jesus has started this thing. He's kicked it off. And, 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 and if you've been baptized for the remission of your sins and you've been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ and you're filled with the Holy Spirit and you're living for Jesus, guess what? You're a part of the kingdom. But if you re rejected Jesus, then you're not a part of the kingdom. So quit looking for the kingdom. The kingdom is already here. And there's tons of scriptures that support that, that the kingdom is already here. And that's what Jesus is telling this Pharisee. He says, the kingdom of God, it's already among you. Verse 22 then he said to his disciples, the time is coming when you will long to see the day when the Son of Man returns, but you won't see it. See, they don't know what he's talking about. He's telling them, he's, he's already telling them he's going to the cross. He's going to die and be resurrected. And he says, you're, you're going to be longing for the day that the Son of Man returns. And he says, but you won't see it. You're going to beg for it because they're going to be going through some serious persecution. And they're going to be begging for Jesus to rescue them. And he says, you won't see it. Verse 23, people will tell you, look, there's the Son of Man. Here he is, but don't go out and follow them. For as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other, so it will be on the day when the Son of Man comes. But first the Son of Man must suffer terribly and be rejected by this generation. So he, again, he's telling me he's going to die. When the Son of Man returns, verse 26, it will be like it was in the days of Noah. And so he's telling me he's going to die, but he's saying, I'm going to return. And do you know, and you can read this, when, when you read throughout the New Testament, at, I mean immediately when Jesus ascended back to heaven and sit at the Father's right hand, they were already looking for his return. They thought that it was going to be immediate. And here we are 2,022 years later, and we're still looking for the return of Jesus. It could happen in the next five minutes. It could happen, happen in the next five years, 50 years, or 500 years. We don't know. Nobody knows except the Father himself. Jesus made that plain and clear. And I hope I'm making it plain and clear to you. So, when the Son of Man returns, it'll be like it was in the days of Noah. In those days, the people enjoyed banquets and parties and weddings right up until the time Noah entered his boat and the flood came and destroyed them all. When, and, and when you can go back and you can in, in, in the Genesis, the book of Genesis, and read about Noah and his family. They were the only people that were saved. It had never rained before. They had never seen a drop of rain come from the sky. Before it rained in Noah's flood, water was coming up from the ground and watering everything on the earth. And, and, and that's how they got their water. It had never rained. And, and you can go and read that for yourself in the book of Genesis. And so Noah takes all, a long time, 100 years, 150, I can't remember exactly how many years it was, but it took a long time to build this big old boat for all these animals and for his family. And, and, and he's, he's telling them, look, it's going to rain. Be prepared. You need to get on this boat 
And they, they laugh and they mock him. They don't listen. They just keep living life. They're, they're, I mean, they're just going through their daily routines and they're, they're thinking, this guy is an idiot. Why, why is he building this big old wooden structure out of these trees and smearing all this tar all over it? And he said it's going to float because there's going to be some kind of flood coming. They've never seen that kind of water. But yet when the boat was finished... And all the animals get on the ark, and Noah's family gets on the ark. The Bible says that God shut the door. And when God shut that door, it wasn't going to open again. And God sealed it shut. And all of a sudden, that first drop of rain fell from the heavens. And the people, it hits them in the head. They're like, what in the world? I've never seen this before. Oh, that crazy man was saying it was, this must be what he was talking about. Oh my goodness, let us in, let us in. And that could be, probably was beating on the boat, in the door of that boat. But God had sealed it shut and it was too late. And the rain came and it, and it rained so much that it flooded the, the known world at that time. And the, the ark floated around, I think for 40 days and 40 nights can't remember exactly how long it's been a long time since i studied that passage in, in about noah but my point is is what jesus said they were just living life to the fullest not paying any attention to what noah was doing or what he was saying mocking him saying it ain't gonna happen you don't know what you're talking about and it happened and they they perished they all died only noah and his family and those animals were saved and then he uses the example of lot he says uh um and the world will be as it was in the days of Lot. Talking about the end of times when the Son of Man is going to return. He says, and the world will be as it was in the days of Lot. People went about their daily business. They were eating and drinking, buying, selling, farming, building. Until the morning Lot left Sodom. Because the angels come in to get Lot and his family. If you remember the people of Sodom and Gomorrah saw the angels. And they were wanting to have sex with the angels. That's how wicked these people were and they had become didn't care anything about God. And Lot is having to offer his virgin daughters to appease these men who are trying to rape angels. They're very, very sinful people. And Jesus says the world's going to be just like it was in the days of Lot. They're going to be going about their daily business. They're eating and drinking. They're, they're, they're just living it up. They're buying and they're selling and, and they're farming and they're building their buildings. And then all of a sudden, the angels come and get Lot out of Sodom and his family, and they're leaving. And then all of a sudden, the fire and the burning sulfur started to rain down from heaven and destroyed everybody in Sodom and Gomorrah. Yes, Jesus says in verse 30, it will be business as usual right up until the day when the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, a person, now this is the part I, I, I don't, understand and I, I, I'm just going to refer to something here in just a minute on that day a person out on the deck of a roof must not go down into the house to pack a person out in the field must not return home remember what, to what happened to Lot's wife and what happened to Lot's wife was when they were fleeing the angels came and rescued them out of Sodom and Gomorrah get out of here this place is to be destroyed by God and we're here to save you and get you out of here and, and, and don't look back but guess what Lot's wife did she looked back, and you can read all about this in Genesis. She looked back, and she turned into a pillar of salt instantly. Boom. She turned into a pillar of salt. And, and Jesus is saying, uh, 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 um, 
he says, uh, on that day, a person must not, uh, a person on, out on the deck of the roof must not go down into the house to pack. A person out in the field must not return home. Remember what happened to Lot's life. In other words, just be prepared, be ready. And when it happens, you know, don't try to go, you know, grab a hold of some stuff. Don't, don't look back saying, oh, I, 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 I'm going to miss that place or I, 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 I just want to see what's happening behind me. No, keep your eyes on Jesus when it happens. Just go with the flow, man, and, and, and keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't look back. He says, if you cling to your life, you will lose it. And if you let go of your life, you're going you're gonna to save it. And then he says this, that night two people will be asleep in one bed. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding flour together at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. And, and so they said, where will this happen, Lord? And the disciples asked, and Jesus replied, Just as a gathering of vultures shows, there is a carcass nearby, so these signs indicate that the end is near. I I, I don't know what Jesus is talking about there. I'm just being completely honest. A, a lot of people refer to those verses as the rapture. The word rapture is never found in the Bible. The word rapture means it's a Latin uh, term and it means a snatching away and 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 you can read about uh the jesus coming back in first thessalonians 4 when the trumpet sounds and and and, and jesus returns with an army and and, and a lot and a, a lot of people have this idea that jesus is going to come and he's going to call the christians out of this world and 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 all hell's going to break loose and satan's going to be loose and and, and it's just going to be hell on earth. And then Jesus is going to come back for a thousand year reign. It's going to be a thousand years of peace. And then the heaven and earth is going to pass away. And there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Um, there's, there's three things that you can Google and read about. And it's called premillennialism, amillennialism, and postmillennialism. Tribulation, pre Premillennialist basically says, and this is very basic, study it and read it for yourself. There's a lot of people that are Christians today who are premillennialists. I had uh, some, I was in, uh, interviewing in a church one time, and some elders asked me if I was premillennialist because uh, that's what they believed. And I said, Does it really matter what we believe? Because we don't know. And, and the, the, main, the main thing is be in Jesus, be looking for Jesus. Be alert and be watching for Jesus, and we're we're going to be fine, no matter if it's pre, ah, or post. But but it is interesting to study. I'll just say this: uh, so you got the 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 thousand year reign, the millennium. So the pre pre millennialism says that the church is going to be raptured out of the world, uh, uh, off this earth. Uh, there's going to be all this uh, uh, hell breaking loose, and the devil's going to have his way. And then Jesus is going to come back for a thousand-year reign. Uh, our millennial says basically that this is it. We're in hell. Uh, we're not in hell. Obviously, we're not in hell. But it feels like we're in hell, as pathetic as this world is. But basically, our millennial says, our millennialism says that this is it. And when Jesus returns, everybody's going to be uh, caught up into the air or before the the judgment seat of Christ and then we will be divided between the sheep and the goats as Jesus talks about in the book of Matthew and we will be given our rewards and be welcomed into heaven or 
if we've never given Jesus Christ our uh, made him our Lord and Savior and been washing his blood, we will be uh, uh, like a goat that Jesus talks about in the book of Matthew, and we will be separated. We will be cast out from God's presence for eternity, never to have uh, a, another opportunity. And and if you go to First um, or Second Peter, he talks about uh, when when. When Jesus comes back, he says heaven and earth are going to melt away with a fervent heat. It's going to burn up, and then there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And this even talks about this in uh, Revelation, about the new heaven and the new earth. Uh, and so you got premillennialism. There's good arguments for premillennialism. There's great arguments for amillennialism. And postmillennialism says that the, uh, the church is going to go through the rapture, and, and then Jesus is coming back. Um, and all this stuff, it, it, uh, post-millennialism does not make very much sense. And if you believe that, uh, you know, that, that's okay. It doesn't change, it doesn't rock my faith at all. But you can Google that and study those three things on your own. Premillennialism, amillennialism, and post-millennialism. But here, here's what I want to end this podcast with. It doesn't matter which one you choose. What matters, what really matters, because nobody knows. We, we've never been resurrected. We, we've never been died and been in the presence of God. We, we, we Jesus hasn't come back yet, so we do not know. No matter how much Bible we know, we don't really know. And if, and if we try to prophesy and that prophecy is wrong, we're a false prophet. So why take the chance? We have everything that we need right here in this book. Jesus has come and gone and he sat at the Father's right hand and he left us his word. He left us his promises. He's left us this love letter of redemption and how he has given his life for us on the cross and how he conquered death, hell, and the grave when he come out of that tomb on the third day and he's 40 days later he rose back and he sat at the Father's right hand. That's what matters. That's all we need. It doesn't matter if we're pre, ah, or post. None of that matters. It just matters that we are ready. That we're watching the blood of Jesus Christ and we're watching for his return and we're waiting for his return. And as we're waiting for his return, we're showing the heart of Christ to those who are lost and we're compelling, we're begging them to get their lives right with Jesus and to give their lives to Jesus so that they too can be in heaven with us and with Jesus and with God the Father and with the Holy Spirit for eternity. That is what truly matters. Are you ready? If not, then you better get ready. As we started this book five podcasts ago, or four podcasts ago, Jesus says that, that sin or that temptation is going to be happening on a daily basis. And if we give in to those temptations, it becomes sin, and sin separates us from God. If you've never had your uh, uh, sins washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ, you are separated from God. And if you die in that, in that, in that way, or Jesus comes back and you've never been washed in His blood, you will never have a second opportunity. The Bible says today is the day of salvation, so why not give your life to Jesus Christ and be baptized into Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and be filled with His Holy Spirit and start your walk with Jesus today. And if you've already made that choice, 
the I've been saying in four podcasts, and now I'm saying it in this fifth one in Luke 17. Take assessment of your life. Look at what you're doing on a daily basis and, 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 and ask yourself, am I leading people to the throne of God? Am I leading people to Jesus? Or is the, the decisions I'm making drawing people away from Jesus? Because Jesus said, you don't want to be the one who causes people to fall away from God and into sin. He says, better for you to, to have a heavy stone around your neck called a millstone and thrown into the sea and drown than it is to take somebody away from God. We're to, to lead people to Jesus. So take a survey of your life and ask yourself, am I leading people to Jesus? And if you're not, ask for repentance, ask for forgiveness, uh, repent and ask for forgiveness and, and start heading in the right direction and start walking with Jesus again and, and, and start sharing Jesus with people today. God bless you. I know it's been a lot in Luke 17. I know it's been heavy, but if you allow the Holy Spirit to do so, He will change your life. He will open your eyes. I'm telling you, it's changed my life just in this week. It has changed my life drastically. And the Holy Spirit would do the same thing for you. Share this podcast with somebody that you know that, that needs Jesus, that needs to, to, to know Jesus or be drawn closer to Jesus. If you, if you uh, don't feel comfortable with sharing your faith, share this podcast because they will hear all about Jesus. God bless you. Thank you for sticking with me through Luke 17 and these heavy subjects. Keep grinding and we will see you or i will talk with you when we cover luke 18 god bless you keep grinding thank you for listening to the grinded podcast today may god bless you if you have any comments or questions you can email them to us at thegrindedpodcast at gmail.com if you would like randy to come and speak at your church or your next event you can contact him through that same email address Also, I would like to thank Jody Foster's Army, also known as JFA, for their song, Abba, as we use for our intro and our outro off their untitled 1984 album. May God bless you, and remember, keep your eyes on Jesus and keep grinding.